you didn't realize it, but your pastor was gone this week, so I'm especially glad he's here. <laughs> Come bless the people. Good evening. Isn't it good to be with brothers and sisters in the Lord and to know that we're not in it alone and that we have people that will get into the trenches with us. I was down in Florida. I just returned home right before the service. I came straight from the airport to here. And um, so I appreciate your prayers as I minister tonight because I didn't have the normal preparation time that I do usually do. But I know that the Lord is going to open up the word to us and unfold it to us as we present ourselves to him. I was in Florida and uh, spending some time with Pastor Kurt Owen, and, uh, who had just gone through an absolutely horrible tragedy. And so I went down for a few days to just spend some time with him and minister to him. And he sends his love to all of you, and um, we look forward to bringing him back again. And if you're saying, well, who is Pastor Kurt Owen? Here's, here's all you need to know. Go to our website, go to the media, go to the sermons, and find the sermon series called The Love of God. Knowing and Believing the Love of God. It is the best series I have ever heard on the love of God from any minister anywhere. And so uh, I encourage you strongly to check those sermons out and uh, be blessed by them. Next weekend, we are going to have a special treat here because we're going to have uh, Pastor Bob Hawk, Prophet Bob Hawk, here, and he is going to bring the word and, and just stir your hearts up in a mighty way. That's what I'm believing for. It's also a special weekend because uh, we have a special couple getting married. And so I, I will be joining them there at their ceremony and will not be here with you Saturday night, but... Bob is going to bring, uh, bring the fire. So you come with the wood. <laughs> Open your Bible with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 4. And we have been looking, at, uh, we've been in a series called Get Wisdom. And that's exactly what we are wanting to do is to grow in it, to get the wisdom of God. We know that there's several different sources of wisdom. There's earthly wisdom. There's fleshly, selfish wisdom. There's demonic wisdom. We don't want those things. What we want and what we're interested in and what we're doing in this series is defining how can we receive, how can we lay hold of the wisdom of God. And we looked at what does wisdom mean and we, we looked at the word and it means skillful. That's literally the meaning of wisdom, is it's skillful. And um, we could say it is using knowledge skillfully. In fact, I thought in, in Ecclesiastes 8, it has a wonderful definition of wisdom. It says it this way, A wise heart knows the right time and procedure. I like that. That describes wisdom. A wise heart knows the timing and the how. And that, see, wisdom often has to do with future events and, and what we should do in our next step. So let's look here in Proverbs chapter 4 and let's begin in verse 1. <clears throat> I'm going to review a little bit from, from last week. So Listen, my sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. 
When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, Your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Now, just so you understand, Solomon is writing, this is the words of his father David to him. All right? In verse 5, this is his instruction. Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom and she will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom. This word supreme means first in place, time, order, rank. It's, one translation says wisdom is the principal thing. All right? So it's supreme. So get wisdom and whatever else you get, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. She will place a garland of grace on your head. She will give you a crown of beauty. And we recognize that the grace of God is Him doing something for you that you cannot do for yourself. That's what grace is. His, His empowerment coming to help you. Well, when you have the wisdom of God flow in and through you, and, and no matter the situation you're up against, if you have the wisdom of God for that situation, that means God's empowerment, His ability is coming to you to be able to meet the need in that situation. <clears throat> You know, we looked at this last week about the word get, get wisdom, actually the last two weeks. And the trouble with much of many believers today is that they're not really seeking wisdom. They'll take it if it chases them down and runs over them. But aside from that, they're not really out there searching for it, being diligent, putting forth effort and saying, Lord, I want your wisdom. Remember, wisdom is seeking the will of God. And I remember when I, was a, uh, when I was young, and I would be over at my grandparents' place, and they would send me into the shop to go find something. You know, go bring us the so-and-so from, from the workbench or from the shop. And now, if you've ever been in my grandfather's and uncle's shop, you would understand that um, things weren't exactly organized. You know, it was, it was a mess everywhere. All the stuff was there, and there was, um, we always laughed because we said there was a method to our madness. Um, someone else wouldn't understand it, but we knew that it's usually in that pile on the left-hand side of the workbench, see? Well, they would send me to go look for something, and I would go and I would look, and I wouldn't find. And sometimes, have you ever heard the expression that, yeah, you walked into the room and it didn't jump into your outstretched hand, so you said you couldn't find it? That was kind of what was going on, right? And uh, being distracted and forgetting what I'm looking for. Well, why am I even here? I don't know. Uh, what were they? It's so got to go back and ask them, what did you guys want? And um, usually if I took long enough, they figured out another method to even get the thing done to begin. My grandpa, he, was, he, that, he did that more than anything. Go get so-and-so. And by the time you came back with it, I don't care how fast you were, he had already figured it out another way. But anyhow, so one day, after being rebuked and chided for, you know, come on, it's there, find it. I decided, you know what, I'm not going to be this anymore. If I can't find it, nobody's going to be able to find it. And so I became very thorough in my searching, very diligent in my searching. Now, I didn't say that to anyone. I just made that determination in my heart that if I can't find it, it cannot be found. 
And so they would send me to look, and boy, I was like, I was getting, right? I was on a mission, and, and I had zeal and energy, and I was deliberate in my search, and I would either come back with the item or say it's not there, and then they would go look, and then they wouldn't find it. And so now they're perplexed, where is it? And so some time passed by, and I overheard uh, my one uncle talking to my grandfather. He said, well, send Sid to go get it, because if he can't find it, it ain't there. I'm like, yes, mission accomplished. But see, if we go after wisdom in the same way, if we make the determination that I'm laying hold of wisdom, no matter how long it takes, I'm going to get the wisdom of God on this issue, it will come to you. So notice in verse 7, wisdom is supreme. We asked the question last week, we said, well, why is wisdom supreme? Why is it first in rank? Why is it the principal thing? And we found that answer in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 17. It says, pay careful attention then how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. Remember, we're talking about wisdom and being wise and walking as the wise. And then in verse 17, it says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And this is what wisdom is. If you know what God's will is in your situation, then you have the wisdom of God for your situation. If you don't know what God desires in the situation, you don't have the wisdom of God in the situation. So let's keep the cart behind the horse, the horse in front of the cart, right? Keep first things first. Wisdom is supreme. It's first in order. So if you don't know, if you don't have the wisdom of God, then stop right there. Whoa until you have the wisdom of God. Let's say it a different way. If you don't know the will of God, stop until you have uncovered and discovered the will of God. Wisdom is knowing the will of God. And we talked about how that the primary way God leads us is, is by His Spirit bearing witness with our spirit on the inside. And that in Romans 8, verse 14, it says many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Well, and then in, in two verses later, it says the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. So His Spirit, your spirit, that's two. That The word bears witness is actually co-witness. Co means two. So it's two witnesses. And either they have agreement between those two witnesses or they don't have agreement between those two witnesses. You know, just to make it real simple, I am holding a green book. Do you agree with me? No, see, I have no witness. I'm saying it's green, but I have no second witness that it's green. I'm holding a black book. Do you agree with me? All right, now I have got a co-witness. So on the inside of our being, in our spirit, is where His Spirit bears witness with your spirit. And you'll either have peace or no peace. And we looked at Scripture in Colossians that says He is the umpire of peace. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And that word rule means to umpire. Just like in a baseball game. It's the decider. And so the peace that you have on the inside is your most sure way of being led. It's more sure than voices. It's more sure than angels. It's more sure than twisted Scripture. It's more sure than a prophetic word. Any of that. I'm not saying that prophetic word and, and, and angels and all those things can't be used. They can. I'm just saying the peace on the inside is your most sure way of following the Spirit of God. Now, He will speak to you on the inside and things like that. And, and if you want the full sermon on that, go listen to that from last week. 
You know, your inner sense, that witness on the inside that you have that, so, you know, so we call it a hunch sometimes, but that's your spirit. You know, or, or we'll say, you know, I just have a gut feeling or uh, her intuition is said this. Well, pay attention to that on the inside because this is the Lord's spirit. If you're a believer, his spirit bearing witness with your spirit to either peace or not peace. I'll give you an example. I was uh, in, this is several years back when I was still in the construction world, and uh, I went to Lowe's and I was looking for an air hose, a, a particular type of air hose that stays real flexible in cold weather and coils up nice and they're expensive. I didn't even know if Lowe's carried this brand I was looking for. But I decided, let's go find out. So I walk in, I go over to the air hoses, I can't find what I'm looking for. And so I turn and I'm walking out of the store. And as I am walking past some of the aisles toward the door, I just have this sense on the inside. Not a word, no angels, no words in the sky, nothing like that. Didn't hear a voice inside or outside. Just had a sense I should walk to the back of the store. Just like a thought that floats up on the inside. I should walk to the back of the store. Why do I want to walk all the way back there? You know, i got other things I need to do. Okay, fine. I walk all the way to the back of the store. And as I, just the aisle I chose to walk down, as I come to the end, on the end cap of the aisle, at the very back of the store, here is some items marked on sale, clearance items. And laying in amongst these items is the exact air hose I'm looking for. And so there was, I find this air hose, and I'm like, oh, great. There was two of them, actually. And so I pick them up. Now, they're expensive air hoses, right? I mean, like 70 bucks or something like that. And so I pick them up and look them over, and there's no price on them. So I go find somebody and say, you know, I bring them, and I show them the air hoses. There's no price. So he takes them, and he goes and clicks around on his computer, and he goes, well, we don't even carry this brand. <laughs> I said, I know, I know but uh, they were sitting here. He goes, well, I don't know. You can just take them. <laughs> so I walk out of there. So I was like, are, are you sure? I mean, I'm happy to pay for them. He's like, no, they're not even in our system. Just take them. So I walk out of there because on a hunch, are you hearing me? This is not, oh, I received a word from the Lord, but it was just his spirit bearing witness with me. Go to the back of the store. You know, just had that sense. I should go to the back of the store. And... Um, and I was blessed, walked into a blessing that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Now, I'll give you uh, an illustrate the exact opposite of that that just happened yesterday. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> so, Pastor Kurt and I had, uh, we'd gone to the gun range, and then we came back to the house, and we took everything out of the trunk and carried it into the garage, and, and we were... Had this project we were doing in the garage, and so um, we didn't get well. Put it this way: later that night, when I leave his house and I'm walking out to to the car to leave, I just have this thought come up, this sense really come up on the inside. I should check the trunk, make sure it's empty. And so I mentally go through my head: No, we got this, 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 all this stuff out of the trunk. So, no, we got everything, so it's fine. And I get in the car and leave. And this morning, at the airport, guess what I find in the trunk? Yeah, some expensive earmuffs that you wanted the range. Two pairs. We'd, I had left them. He had left them. We'd left them in the trunk. And now, so now I get to mail them to him. But my point is that 
And he actually, he needs them this week because he's instructing a class and, and he needs them. So wouldn't that have saved him a problem and me a problem, just that little hunch, if I wouldn't have reasoned my way out of it with my logic, but would have instead just went with what I got on the inside. And he would have had his ear, earmuffs. All right, so I want you to understand that I don't always hit home runs. Sometimes it's, it's strike out, right? But what should we do from these, either one of these situations? We should learn. We should learn and say, okay, next time. And, and that's very important. If you blow it in an area, put the hammers away. Don't beat yourself up over it. Instead, make a new agreement with yourself. Next time I have that opportunity, I'm going to do this. And this is how you move forward when you blow it in an area. Romans 8.6 says, The mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. And so pay attention to the peace on the inside because the umpire of peace, the answer to a million and one questions is be led by the Spirit of the Lord. All right, let's go over to uh, Proverbs chapter 1, and we're going to go further tonight. And we're going to look at a subject that might not make you run and dance in the aisle. It might not make you shout hallelujah. In fact, you may wonder partway through, hmm, I wish I hadn't come. <laughs> but just stay on the operating table. Don't jump off in the middle of surgery, right? Stay there until I get you all sewed back up and it'll be all right. All right? Proverbs chapter 1, let's look in verse 1. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. Now here's the purpose, here's the point, here's why we've been given the Proverbs. Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. This is why they've been given. To know wisdom, let's say it together. They've been given to me to know wisdom and instruction. So let's just stop right there for a moment. Do we have an excuse to not know what Proverbs says. No. You can find free Bibles online. If you don't have a Bible, I'll give you one. I mean, there's Bibles galore, right? You, Proverbs is so rich in so much wisdom, and it's been given to us for wisdom, so we're without excuse. He goes on and he says, he's talking about why Pro, the book of Proverbs was given, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom. The instruction of wisdom. See, instruction is one of the vehicles, one of the methods by which wisdom comes. When you receive instruction, you can receive the wisdom of God through that instruction. It says, and justice and judgment and <clears throat> equity. Instruction is, another way of saying it is teaching, okay? It is to teach someone. Jesus spent a lot of time instructing, right? In fact, he spent more time giving instruction than anything else. I mean, yeah, he did other things, but the thing that constantly is a constant throughout his ministry is teaching, teaching, teaching. He went around and he taught, he taught, he taught. And so what is happening as he's teaching? He is giving the wisdom of God in his teachings. <clears throat> so instruction is one of the methods by which we receive the wisdom of God. There's two other methods that I want to um, talk about tonight as well. And the first one is, is correction, or as some translations say, is reproof. Reproof is one of the vehicles by which the wisdom of God comes to you. The third one, not as fun of a one, 
Rebuke. Rebuke is something that brings the wisdom of God to you. Not, not all rebuke, but if it's godly rebuke, it will bring and present you with an opportunity to receive the wisdom of God. So, reproof, correction, rebuke. Now you understand why I said it might not be something you're shouting hallelujah about, but maybe by the end of the night. See, a wise man, a wise woman, a wise person loves these three things. Instruction, correction, and rebuke. Scripture says, we're going to look at Scriptures for all of it, right? You know me, I give you more Scriptures than you need. A fool, it says, despises these things. So if you're a kind of person that doesn't like to be told, doesn't like to be corrected, doesn't like to be reproved, then tonight is a good opportunity to hear what does the Word say and how can I change that. <clears throat> Let's go on and read verse 4. Still talking about why the book of Proverbs was given. To give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning. See, there it is again. Instruction. If instruction is given, he will hear it. If rebuke is given, he will hear it. If if um, reproof or correction, he'll, he has an ear to hear. And what happens? He increases learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb, an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. This is why it was given to us, so that we understand these things. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. See that? Fools despise instruction. They despise wisdom. Someone say, I love wisdom. I love love instruction. instruction. Now I know that's true for you because that's why you're here tonight. You know that it's why we spend so much time in our service, time of teaching, is because that was the model that Jesus gave to us. He, He constantly taught. He taught. He taught. And so that's why we spend a lot of time in instruction and, and you come to hear the Word of the Lord. And so by you being here tells me that you do love instruction. Let's look down in verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. And we saw that wisdom cries out, but then in, in Proverbs 2 we see that we're to cry out to wisdom. So deep calls to deep. In verse 21, she cries out in the chief concourse at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. This is what she says. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. You know, i just be straight with you. When I was in school, I was a fool. And I'm not even trying to rhyme. But sometimes it happens, right? When I was in school, I hated, I hated school. Okay? I didn't like school. And I didn't want to learn. And you know, when am I ever going to use how to diagram a sentence? I've repented of that so many times. <laughs> like, Lord, I really could use that knowledge now, right? You know, when am I going to ever need to know how to do, you know, X, Y, Z? Well, the fool hates that. So let's not be fools. Verse 23, it says, turn at my rebuke. So when a rebuke happens, it's not being ignored. He's saying, wisdom says to turn at it. 
a change should happen. So surely I will pour out my spirit on you. That's the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of God. I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. If what? If you turn at my rebuke. If you love instruction. Verse 24, I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, see, rejecting rebuke, rejecting counsel, this speaks of a person that's steeped in pride. Verse 26, I also, now wisdom is saying, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them. In other words, turning away from wisdom, from rebuke, from instruction, from correction, turning away from it. It will slay them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. But who, what does that mean? Complacency of fools. Well, if someone gives you instruction, correction, or rebuke and you're too complacent to actually put forth the effort to change, to put forth the effort to find, to seek the will of God on the matter, well, then it just you end up going the path of the destroyer. Verse 33, whoever listens to me, again, it's still wisdom speaking, whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. So are you wise or are you a fool? Do you love these instruction, correction, rebuke? Did you know instruction, correction, and rebuke is part of the ministry's job? Yeah. Oh, joy. If you want to be a minister, if you feel called to the five-fold ministry, we have Brian, Pastor Brian here tonight. Brian, wave at everyone. All the way from Titusville, so he knows what I'm talking about. If you want to enter into the ministry, and if you feel called to the ministry, just know that it's not all fun. There's times that you have to give a correction or a rebuke that you don't want to give. I mean, the fact is, if you want to give it, then you need to take a pause and go pray for a while, right? And, and not give it, just wait for a bit. Um, but I've found that, you know, some of, some of the hardest rebukes, I really did not want to because I like to be liked too, Right? But when the Lord directs you to do something, obedience is better than just declaring, I like Him and love Him, right? So we have to obey. Let's go over to 2 Timothy and let's just look at this a little bit because there, there are two ditches on this subject, obviously, and we're not going to explore both ditches. I'll just mention them. You know, there's, there's the ditch of nobody corrects me, only the Lord, me and the Lord. And that's just pride. And then there's the other, other ditch that people have become very controlling. And you hear these crazy stories of pastors like assigning people to marriage and even breaking marriages up and swap. You say, you guys need to swap. I mean, just crazy stuff. Naming people's children. I mean, just ridiculous cult-like stuff. 
And so that's the other ditch. So where we want to be is in the middle of the road, where if someone rebukes us or corrects us, that we give it an ear. It doesn't mean you have to follow it, but you should examine it. You should hear them out. Maybe they have something to tell you. I've found that sometimes your enemies will tell you things your friends aren't, don't have the courage to tell you. So pay attention. Here in 2 Timothy 3, in verse 15, he's talking, not T- Pastor Timothy, Paul is talking to Pastor Timothy. He'd left Timothy to pastor a church and now he's given him some instruction. <clears throat> he says, You know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom. Did you know that the Word of God can give you wisdom? And it's, it even mentions for what? Wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Wisdom for salvation. Did you know the, the fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom is what Scripture says. Well, let's say it another way. The wisdom of God will always lead you into the salvation that He has provided for you. That's true wisdom. Receiving that. Verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. So the Proverbs that we're reading, they were, even though Solomon wrote them down, he wrote them by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it's not Solomon writing to us. It is the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of God writing to us. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable or useful for teaching. Or the word is instruction. It's useful for instruction. Some translations have the word doctrine down, but it's better, a better translation is, is teaching or instruction. So the Word of God's useful for teaching, for instruction, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. So instruction, rebuking, correcting, and training. In fact, you know... I'll say it this way. How many of you, let's, let's, let's have some fun with this. Put some skin into the game. By raise of hands, how many of you have, when I have read Scripture to you, been chastised by the Lord on the inside about something? <laughs> Look around. All right, so what is that? This is exactly what we're reading. The Word of God correcting you. Now, I want to explain something here um, that I heard Pastor Bill say one time, and I liked it. I wrote it in the margin of my Bible, and so now anytime I teach it, I, I teach this particular point. If you want to understand, well, what's teaching, what's rebuking, what's correcting, what's training, teaching tells you the road to walk on. It instructs you. That's the road. Rebuking tells you that you've gotten off of the road. Correction tells you how to get back on the road. And training tells you how to stay on the road or shows you how to stay on the road. So teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. I'll just say it again. Teaching tells you the road to walk on. Rebuking tells you you've gotten off of the road. Correction tells you how to get back onto the road. And training teaches you how to stay on the road. Did you know that rebuke doesn't always necessarily feel kind and warm and fuzzy? I mean, rebuke. <laughs> I hear the laugh of experience back there. You know, rebuke, 
it carries a much stronger connotation to it than just correcting someone or reproving someone. Rebuke can sometimes feel harsh. You know, when you look at the life of Jesus, I mean, he rebuked the Pharisees. Now, keep in mind, they were hypocrites. They were pretending something they were not. You never saw him rebuke someone that was in earnest seeking the truth. But it was always for people that knew better. And so, when he gave them rebuke, if someone would talk that way to people today, man, there'd probably be lawsuits and I don't know what all. Calling them snakes and vipers and, I mean, you know, all kinds of things. <laughs> Cry babies. So, rebuke doesn't always feel nice. I mean, in Hebrews 12, in verse 11, you don't need to turn there, I'll just read it. It says, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Right? Being rebuked, being reproved can feel painful. But later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness. Not to everyone. Here it now tells us to who? To those who have been trained by it. To those who have been trained by it. See, different degrees of correction are required based on the direction you're going. Right? If, some, if you're riding with someone and they're starting to drift off the road and not seeing it, you might say, hey, we're starting to run off the road. But if... <laughs> I see a lot of nodding going on in here. Um, but on the other hand, if they fall asleep and you look over and you see a corners right here and they're asleep, you know, you're, you may even rebuke loudly. Hey, wake up! What do you think you're doing? You know? And you may give them... A rebuke. So, and let me just add this, that correction and rebuke, if it's given, it should always be given in love. I don't mean it feels nice. Don't hear that wrong. Given in love means it is for their good because you have their best in, in your heart. You're not doing it to make you feel better. You're not doing it because they deserve it. Come on. You're doing it because they need it and you care about them. A lot of rebuke that happens is not that. It's because I'm fed up with it, right? I mean, you just look around. A lot of rebuke in the world happens that way because I'm tired of it. I'm sick and tired of dealing with this. And man, you let them have it. Well, that's not in love. That's just abuse. So we're going to do it in love with their good in mind. Remember the story of Peter? He goes out there. He walks on the water. And then he begins to doubt and he sinks. But Jesus saves him. Takes him back to the boat. Does Jesus praise him? Because Peter, you're the only one. Out of all of my disciples, you're the only one who has had faith to walk on water like me. Good job, Peter. No, he chides him. Why do you have so little faith? I mean, if that happened today, Peter would be in counseling somewhere. Now, did Peter learn? Well, yeah, I mean, because the master's talking to him, right? So he's all ears, he's listening. And so maybe for us, let's put it this way, a mature child of God can see past the delivery. And no matter if it's given in love or not, we'll still examine it and take a look at it. Now, the enemy will accuse you and attack you. 
And the enemy will use people in rebuke to try to come at you. So you have to be discerning and you have to say, well, Lord, is there any truth into what they're saying? Let the Lord show it to you and reveal it to you. And when you do that, that, that is you being correctable. Love covers a multitude of sins is what Scripture says. And it doesn't mean hypocrites. But it's saying love's not looking to expose people. Rebuking people in public, embarrassing people in public is not what rebuke is about. Jesus did that a few times publicly, but it was because they started it. Right? They brought it up, they attacked him, and so he told them the truth. Was it in love for their benefit? Sure. Does that mean they went away feeling loved by it? No. No, not at all. However, it was still for their good. So, we read in verse 16. Let's just read 16 again. All Scripture is inspired by God. We're in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. It is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. This is what Scripture is profitable for. So that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now, the Bible was not written in chapter and verses like this. It was written as a letter. So the next sentence is part of what he was talking about. Let's just keep reading. Before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, I, he's saying I, Paul, as, as Apostle Paul, I solemnly charge you, preach the word, persist in it, whether convenient or not. Why would he do that? Because the word will teach you. It will reprove you it will rebuke you it will train you and now he says he's also going to be doing this personally he says rebuke correct and encourage with great patience and teaching for the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine but according to their own desires will accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an itching in their hearing and they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths Wow, is the world full of that today or what? Turning aside to myths. Verse 5, But as for you, Timothy, be serious about everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now what was part of his ministry? Presenting the Word and so that the Word and or through his instruction so that they could be instructed and corrected and rebuked and whatever was necessary, trained. So if you desire to be wise, you have to receive instruction, correction, and rebuke. Your humility is going to protect you. If you'll stay humble, it'll protect you because you'll stay teachable. You'll stay pliable. You'll stay flexible. And humility will protect you from deception and destruction. You know, the thing with pride is it's unteachable. You can't instruct it. You can't correct it. It doesn't learn. It just keeps making the same mistakes again and again. And often, just you examine this in yourself. Often when you refuse to receive reproof or, correct or, or rebuke, is, it's rooted in pride. Well, how dare they talk to me that way? I mean, who died and made them God? So examine yourself. 
Pride likes to think that only the Holy Spirit can correct me. Me and Jesus. I like, I like John. The last time I preached a message on correction and rebuke was, I think, back in February. And so every Monday, John and I, we get together and we, we spend some time together and debrief over the weekend and talk about the weekend and make plans for the future. And so John comes in and he sits down and he said, that was a really good sermon and I had taught on this subject. Kind of from a little different angle, but on rebuke and correction. He comes in and he sits down and he says, that's a really good sermon, Pastor. So let's just get it over with. What, what is it that you are wanting to correct me about? What's the rebuke that you have? See, he put his expectations out there because that's one of the things we looked at in that sermon was to love it. It's, the Word says that we ought to love it. And so he came looking for it, and I'm like, I don't have any rebuke for you. I don't even have a correction. <laughs> and um, it was funny, and we laughed. And, but have a heart that's willing to receive is the point. It doesn't mean what they're going to say is right or true or any of it. But examine it. And there's a lot of touchy areas, off-limit areas in people's lives. Things you're not allowed to talk about. Like, for example, they should lose weight. Did you feel that? <laughs> or their money, how they spend money. Or marriage. Child raising is a big one. They don't like that. How about politics? We don't talk about politics. Why? Let's go to Proverbs 9. Are you, are you learning anything so far tonight? All right, Proverbs chapter 9. And let's look at verse 8. Don't rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. I remember back, um, not a couple years after we were married, this is before we were spirit-filled and any of that kind of stuff, and I had a, a family member, well, by marriage, he was, he was an uncle, and... Um, he didn't like me none. In fact, pretty sure he's, he was my enemy, okay? He tried to do things that would bring injury to me. And um, I made some comment on social media one time that was this joking comment, and it implied some things. And so he messages me and rebukes me. Actually, he did it in person, I guess. He rebuked me for what I, for, for what I wrote. And it wasn't that he loved me so much that he gave me the rebuke. It wasn't that he wanted my good that he gave me the rebuke. I mean, I think it more than anything, he saw an opportunity to get in a blow, you know. And he rebukes me and tells me that what I did was inappropriate and it could, lead, it could leave the wrong message. Now, my flesh wants to say, whatever, right? But I knew better than that. And so what I said to him is, okay, I'll consider that. And you know, to this day, I am grateful for his rebuke. I'm glad he came and told me. Because I went and considered it, and I'm like, you know, he's absolutely right. I shouldn't have done that. I'm never doing that again. And to this day, I have never made that mistake again. Because I took what he said, his rebuke, and I learned from it. It doesn't mean that, that it felt nice. It doesn't mean that even he had the best motives, but it served me, and I'm glad that he gave it. 
In verse 9 of chapter 9 still, Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will learn more. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by wisdom your days will be many and years will be added to your life. The wisdom of God can make you live longer. Did you know that? There's not some set day that you are going to live until this age and there's nothing you can do about it. No, you can lengthen the days of your life. And by the wisdom of God, you can do that. Some of us need to use wisdom when it comes to our own health, right? I was talking about weight earlier. You know, the wisdom of God for some people would be to lose weight. Wisdom of God for others might be to gain weight. But the bottom line is, is what is God's will for me? What's His wisdom working in me? Because it will bring health to you. In verse 12, or he'll tell you to stop eating only Oreo cookies and add some carrots in there, right? I mean, you don't want to get off balance, do all things in moderation, right? So don't forsake the cookies completely. But. All right, so uh, it's good to have fun. Sometimes it gets too serious and you all need to laugh. Verse 12, if you are wise, you are wise for your own benefit. Let's say it a different way. The wisdom of God in you will benefit you. If you mock, you alone will bear the consequences. Let's go over to chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But one who hates correction is stupid. So don't raise your hand. Just do it on the inside. If you hate correction, here, you just located yourself. <laughs> Stupid. It doesn't mean it felt nice, right? What it, in Hebrews, it says that no correction, no discipline in the moment feels nice, feels painful, but later on, if you're trained by it, it brings peace. Look in verse 15 of chapter 12. A fool's way is right in his own eyes. But whoever listens to counsel is wise. This word listen means to hear intelligently. Hear intelligently. Well, how do you hear intelligently? It means you consider it. Not necessarily that you do it, but it does mean that you heard it and you will consider it. No matter how ugly something is, I mean, I guess there'd be, there'd be lines, I'm sure. But I'm just saying, for the most part, when someone gives you something that's hard to hear, consider it. Take it and lay it before the Lord and, and say which part of this is true and let Him minister it to you. Go to chapter 13. In verse 18 of Proverbs 13, it says, Poverty and disgrace comes to those who ignore discipline. Poverty and disgrace comes to those who ignore discipline. You know, people that have won, the, by, by far the majority of people that win the lottery and become multimillionaires, it's only a matter of short time and they're right back in the same financial condition they were prior to winning it. Why is that? Because they continued living with the same method of operation that they had when they were poor, which now led to them again being poor. Right? So that's poverty and disgrace comes to those who ignore discipline. With a little bit of discipline, with a little bit of correction, with a little bit of seeking wisdom and getting wisdom, they could have had that money worked for them. It says, but the one who accepts correction will be honored. 
If you accept it, you will be honored. You know, um, a number of years ago, I was traveling in, in Africa, and someone else had asked me to join them on a trip because I knew the country, and that individual didn't, so it was his trip. So I'm there to serve him and help him and, and, and go with him. And we're, we're on a two-week trip, and we're like a week and a half into the trip. And we have, um, we're out in the jungle. Now, the guy I'm with, he is like a master jokester, right? It's just constant laughs when you're with him. And, and he's constantly has from dry humor to dad humor to, you know, whatever. Just things that make you laugh. And so if you've been around me at all, you know that I thrive in that environment. And so it is, we have laughed a lot in this week and a half. And he has set the precedent, and we as a group, and those others that were with us, I mean, we're all, we're just, we're flowing in this, and uh, having a great time. Well, one day we're standing out on this river, uh, on a bridge, not standing on the river, but on a bridge over the river, and we're looking out at the water, and um, I just looked out there at the water, and I said, uh, do you see the alligator? And he's like, no, I don't see an alligator. I said, well, I don't either. I just wondered if you saw one. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. He didn't. And he just lashed out at me. And just in front of, we had probably... Uh, 15, 20 other pastors and leaders around us. And I mean, he just let me have it right there. Now, we, he had done similar things. It, it, I, to this day, I'm still perplexed as to the why. Okay? The point I'm making is what, what I'm going to tell you next. He just tells me that I need to knock it off and I need to learn some discernment. And I listened to him and I said, Thank you for that, sir. I said, I apologize and I will certainly grow in what you said. Everyone standing around has stopped and they're looking at us. And then we carry on, you know, we just go on and do things. And the rest, the next three days, I had pastor after pastor after pastor that was with us there come up to me and say, you know what, I was so blessed by how you just received that correction, how you stayed honorable, how you listened to it and didn't become defensive. I had people say, I don't know why he did that to you, but how could you respond that way? And so I explained. I said, you know, whether he's 100% right or 1% right, I'm sure there's some truth somewhere in there that I can learn from and become more discerning in. And, oh man, I want to grow in that. See what was happening? I received the correction, didn't reject it. I heard it intelligently. And then suddenly people were honoring me by saying, I, I want to be like that. And uh, to be honest, I, I was, I mean, my flesh didn't like it. I'm pretty sure I probably turned red because I was, now I feel embarrassed, you know. And if we allow our flesh to stop us from receiving and growing where we can, we just are fools. There's times that I haven't, didn't respond right. Okay, I just, I learned from those times. I'm not necessarily going to share them with you. <laughs> but I'm telling you a time that I watched it walk out in a right way. Verse 19 of Proverbs 13 says, Desire fulfilled, desire fulfilled is sweet to the taste. 
But to turn from evil is an abomination to fools. The one who walks with the wise will become wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. If you want to be wise, walk with the wise. And that means that if you're walking with those that are wiser than you, who should do the most talking? Who should do the most listening, right? All right, Proverbs 50. I'm implying that the wisest one should talk the most. You should listen and gain in wisdom. Let's go over to chapter 15. And I'm going to close with this. Worship team, you can come up. In Proverbs 15, in verse 5, it says, A fool despises his father's discipline. A fool despises his father's discipline. Now, teenagers, if you're in here, or, or young adults that have, have, are with your parents, or even children, if you're in the, in the house tonight, it says a fool despises his father. We could also add his mother in there. Okay? A fool despises his parents' discipline. Don't despise it. Hear it. It says, but a person who accepts correction is sensible. Accepts correction is sensible. Verse 10, discipline is harsh for the one who leaves the path. The one who hates correction will die. Verse 12, a mocker doesn't love one who corrects him. He will not consult the wise. Go all the way down to verse 31. One who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. Now, here's the thing. How are you going to know if it's a life-giving rebuke or not? If you don't take it before the Lord and check. If you only go by the package on the outside and how it arrived, whether you can receive it or not, how would I know if it's life-giving rebuke? It says the one who listens to life-giving rebuke. See, not all rebukes are life-giving. So this is where discernment comes in and being led by the Spirit of God on the inside. The one who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. Anyone who ignores discipline despises himself. But whoever listens to correction acquires good sense. The fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches and humility comes before honor. If you want to be wise, if you want to walk in wisdom, then have a quick ear to hear. Slow to reject correction or rebuke. Sometimes you're going to have to. But weigh it. Weigh it before the Lord and let the Lord settle it in your heart on what should be worked on, what should be changed and what shouldn't be. And His Spirit of grace His spirit of wisdom will come in you and work in you. And things that before seemed like you didn't have the answer to, suddenly you have knowings of what to do. You can stand with me. Let's say this together. I love rebuke. I love correction. I love instruction. Instruct me, Lord. Correct me, Lord. Rebuke me, Lord where I need it and I commit I will change I have an ear to hear and I serve only you not myself hallelujah Father I thank you that you would just open up our hearts in new ways our spirit to receive from you 
Lord, when, when we hear a rebuke or a correction or a reproof or instruction, Lord, that you quicken it on the inside of us. You make it alive on the inside of us when it's life-giving. And when it's not life-giving, give us eyes to see that as well and the heart to forgive and release and to move on in love as you would have us to do. I thank you for it in Jesus' name and amen. I want to add to that that, you know, when someone gives rebuke or correction and there's nothing in it and they just did it to make themselves feel better, you know, be quick to forgive. What does forgive mean? Just release them. They don't owe me any apologies. They don't owe me anything. Because the Word says that if you forgive, you will be forgiven. And I certainly don't want all the times I've blown it to be held against me, right? So I'm going to release them and just move on. Not hold it against them. Not hold them at arm's length. Just realize that, you know what, sometimes I miss it too. And... um, then pray that the wisdom of God would come on them. Pray that God would bless them. Especially if they're your enemies, because that's scriptural. Bless your enemies. Pray for them who persecute you. And when you do that, oh man, things happen on the inside of you that open up the doorway wide open for the wisdom of God to come in and work in you. All right, John, lead us into the presence of before I do that, anybody see an alligator in here? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I will see of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of question for you. If you want to be overtaken and run over by a train, where do you need to be? On the tracks. And even if you're moving and running and that train's coming up behind you, it's still going to run over you. It's going to overtake you and run over you. But only on the tracks. Where are the blessings of God going to overtake us? You know, you have to be on the track And you have to be in the presence. And the blessing will overtake you. And like a train, (laughs) run over you, right? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days. Goodness is in there. Goodness is in that. Will follow you all the days of your life. So 
if we want wisdom, if we want the goodness of God, then what we have to be is in His presence and on the track where those things run. And where is that? I mean, get before the Lord in your private time. Spend time in the presence of God, both corporately like we are here, but also individually. And it's in that moment that the blessings will come to you. And Jesus promised this. He said, your prayer time in private will result in reward openly. And people go, well, how did that blessing come to that person? Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know either. But they know. Because it overtook them because they were on the track. They were in the path. And so you and I, I want to just encourage you this week to do two things. Even starting tonight. Think of some time that God has been good to you. It can be the smallest story. It can be a a big, long story. But think of a time that God has been good to you individually. More than you deserve. He He was kind to you. He was good to you. And now tonight, I want you to ask somebody, how was God good to you? So now you have a story already ready, right? You already have an incident that you're thinking of. Well, he provided a parking spot for me right next to the door, and it was pouring down rain. You know, I'm saying it can be simple, it can be huge. But think of a time that God was good to you, and be ready to share that. And then ask someone else, how was the Lord good to you? Because what's going to happen as you share those stories? You're going to be encouraged. And what you focus on expands and grows. And when you look at the goodness of God, you can't see it. If you're not in the presence of it, you're not going to see it. So let's get into the presence. Honey, did you have something you wanted to share? Yeah, I, I have the sense that there's somebody here tonight that as they, we were singing that song, you felt like you were singing it or hearing it from the outside in. And you really felt like you weren't in that. So if you haven't experienced the goodness of God, if you haven't experienced that faithfulness in his, of Him in, his, in your life, if you haven't laid down your life, if you haven't surrendered, I'm just going to invite you after the service, after the dismissal, come up front. My pastor and I will talk with you and pray with you because you don't want to miss out on the goodness of God in your life. You want to know what we've experienced. We want you to know what we've experienced. And there's joy, and there's freedom, and there's purpose in life. And you're loved. So if that's you, come up after the service. recognize that you are a way maker you are the miracle worker Lord we yield ourselves to you this week 
Father, remind us, even of the times we've forgotten of how you've been so good to us. And Lord, we're going to thank you for that goodness as you remind us. And Father, I ask you for an increase of wisdom in every man, woman, and child in here. And every man, woman, and child listening by the internet. Lord, that your wisdom is birthed in us. That the knowledge of your will is come alive in us day by day for our daily walk. For whatever we need to plan going forward, Father. We just yield it to you. We thank you that your goodness is already waiting for us in the days to come. And someone say, Amen, I believe it. Well, one way we love God in this house is we love on each other. To greet someone, spend time fellowshipping, everyone's invited downstairs. Good evening. Welcome to Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Boy, are we glad that you're all here. Amen. There's family members that have been gone. They're come back tonight. There's been a lot of hugging and oh my goodness, it's just fills you up, doesn't it? It's just so the love of God in this place. Oh, I know you feel it too. I want to encourage you always in the Word of God for our worship time together. And it's a giving of ourselves. So in Psalms 111, this is such a great psalm. It says, praise the Lord. That's how it starts off. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, which we are right now. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. I'm just describing God right here in Psalms 11. He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Has He been that for you? He's a personal God. He has given food to those who fear Him. He will ever be mindful of His covenant. He has declared to His people the power of His works in giving them the heritage of nations. 
The works of his hands are, are full of justice and all of his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever. And all are done in truth and uprightness. Praise God. He has set redemption to his people. How many here tonight are glad they're redeemed? Glory to God. I'm so glad for the redemption blood of Jesus Christ. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Reverencing God over anything here on the earth. Going vertical rather than horizontal. That's the fear of the Lord. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Glory to God. Well, let's all stand up together. This is our time as a family coming together to praise the Lord. I know we do it all day long individually, but collectively there's, there's just a corporate anointing here tonight. And we can lift up an incense of sacrificing praise to him. And the Lord, he loves it. He, Father God is just so in love with you. Amen. All your promises are yes and amen. Said yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord. All your promises are yes and amen. Said yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord. All your promises are yes and amen. Said yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord. All your promises are yes and amen. Did you know all his promises are yes and amen? That's scripture that we're singing and shouting and declaring. And that the promises that God has put into motion for you and I, they haven't lost their power. They haven't lost their, whether or not they even apply. They are still just as real as the very first day. And someone say they are yes and amen. But well, we are going to uh, take communion here in just a moment. Here, I'll stand up here so that I'm out of your way. And as we prepare to do that, I want you to, as you take the cup and as you take the bread, to apply the promises that were given to us. Not just emotion that we go through, but if there's something that you need healing in your life for, whether it be physical ailment or, or a soulish thing, um, in your heart, if there's something you need healing for, then receive it tonight as you take this communion. If there is something in your life, if you've been struggling with condemnation or something else, you know, the blood of Jesus is stronger than any sin you have ever committed. The blood of Jesus absolutely removes your past. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's the best news I've ever heard. So tonight, as you take that cup, Receive that promise that all my sins are under the blood. They've been washed away and I am a child of His. So what we're going to have you do is we're going to take it all together. So when you take it, um, just hold it in your hand until, until everyone has it. But we'll start in the back row on both sides. File up the middle and you can go around the outside back to your seat. 
and then uh, just, just wait until everyone's gone through and then we'll take it together. As you're filing through, I want to tell you a testimony. Go ahead and get started. Back row, let's start in the back row. I've received several healings in my life during this time of communion that we're sharing together. But one that stands out in my life that I had firsthand experience of was Jen was pregnant with our first daughter, Ariel. And we were in a, her, all her pregnancies were high-risk pregnancies. And so the doctors had her on bed rest and all this other stuff. And, and just like the prior pregnancies, things started to go wrong in the womb. And we went in and, and at the ultrasound they said there was an 11 inch tear or separation in the womb. And they told us later that they did not think the child would make it to its birth date, right? And, um, but we knew that all the promises of God are yes and amen. And, and I'm taking this story and I'm shortening it a whole lot, right? But it was a fight. All right, we stood on the word, we confessed the word, we declared the word, and we saw no difference. In fact, it got worse. And it reached the point to where one day, no, I don't want to go into all that because then I have to tell you all the backstory. Put it like this my wife had lost a lot of blood during this time, and we went to the Sunday service and we had communion that morning. And so I told everybody, I said, um, if you need healing in your physical body, take the bread for your healing today. And so Jen, she took that bread. Now we had just had an ultrasound a couple days prior. And the doctors told us at that ultrasound that she, you know, she was on bed rest. We'd ask the doctors, what are the odds that when we come back in two weeks, that she could be off of bed rest and this would be completely gone. And she laughed, the doctor did, and said, that's not possible, that would never happen. Even if it was completely healed and you carried the baby all the way, she said on, on the ultrasound it would still be there, we could still see it. Well, this is now what, two days, three days later, we're at the communion table and we take the bread. And I said, you know, there's anointing of healing in this house right now because Jesus is here. His spirit is here. And Jen took the bread and took it for her healing in her womb and for Ariel who was in her womb. And we went back to our next appointment at the doctor for the ultrasound. And this is what happened. They take the ultrasound, we go home, but we don't hear anything. And so we call the doctor the next day and say, so what's the ultrasound look like? He said, oh, it's, it's, everything's fine. And we're like, well, yeah, but what about everything that was before? They said there was no trace of it. They could not tell that it had ever happened. It was completely healed up. Of course, she went to her due date, and she's with us today, hallelujah. What's that? Nine days early, okay. Well, that's close enough. I think most women are happy if they go a little bit early. So why do I tell you that you can take the bread for your healing? Well, in Isaiah 53, it says that by his wounds, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. That's his physical body. 
His physical body was not given to redeem you from sin. That's what his blood was for. His physical body was beaten and bruised so that you could receive healing in your physical body. If you read in Isaiah 53, it says that he bore our sicknesses and our pains, and by his wounds we are healed. Well, Paul, when he was getting ready to instruct the church on how to receive the communion elements, this is what he said. He said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. And on that night when he was betrayed, see, at the Last Supper, when Jesus and his disciples were together, the Lord Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, listen, this is what, this is what you are testifying when you eat the bread, when you drink the cup. It says, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, he was you were crucified with him. So in proclaiming his death, you're proclaiming your death. But we know that it's not just believing the Lord died, it's believing he was resurrected and raised up. And so you're also proclaiming your resurrection, physically and spiritually. So as you take the bread, what I like to do is I take the bread and I break it because it just reminds me of Jesus' broken body, that his body was broken for me, for my healing. By his wounds, I am healed, and I receive that. Let's say that together. By his wounds, I am healed. So let's take it and eat it. Father, we just receive your healing power right now in our physical bodies. Lord, thank you for giving your body that it could be beaten and broken for us, that you bore our pain and our sicknesses. And so we just cast every sickness, every disease that can be named, every pain upon you. And Lord, you paid the price for our healing and we receive what you've given to us by faith. I thank you, Lord, that you touch us and heal us and that every cell in our body responds to your living word in Jesus' name. So let's take the cup, the new covenant. You, a child of God, you stand before God just as righteous as Jesus himself because his righteousness was made yours. Thank you, Father, for your blood. Thank you that you sent Jesus and that he shed his blood. Thank you that you raised him up from the dead. And Lord, thank you that you have raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens. Lord, we just bless you right now. And we thank you for making us your children, for making us your very own. We call you ours and we are yours. We bless you, Lord. Of Jesus, yes, there's 
go ahead and release the children and the ministry workers to their various classes. And as they go, turn to someone, greet someone, introduce yourself, welcome them. Good evening once again to everyone. <laughs> I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I see a lot of glad people here tonight. It's so cool to see everybody, well, people that were gone. I don't know if everybody's back or not, but the Schumans are back. We're glad to have them back. John's back. Welcome back, John. So good to have you all here. All right, well, we'd like to welcome our guests that are with us tonight. If you're here for the first time, can you just raise your hand so we can welcome you and give you a, all right, they're in the back. We're glad you're with us tonight. Thank you for coming. We have a card there that you can feel free to fill out and pass that out in the, or put it in the basket when it goes by, just some information. And we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord, so if you need a cash envelope, that's right, let's get excited. If you need a cash envelope for your giving, you can raise your hand. All right, how many know that when we return the tithe to the Lord, we're acknowledging Him as our source? Yeah. Amen? We are demonstrating that we believe He is the provider. You know, God wants you provided for. He's not a God of lack. He's not a God of barely scraping by. He's a God of plenty. So he doesn't want you uh, struggling. He doesn't want you overwhelmed with need. You know, he's also a God of miracles. And you know, how many know that he would perform a financial miracle? I know lots of you probably have testimony of how he's done that. 
Well, <clears throat> what he's done in the past, what he's done for someone else, he would do for you. He'll do it again. Why? Because he's not a respecter of persons. So I want to read to you a story in 2 Kings 4. And uh, this is, this is the, a story out of the life of Elisha. It says in verse 1 here, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Now, apparently, this person that died, her husband, he was a man of God, or he was part of the sons of the prophets. At any rate, he feared the Lord. And she knew, number one is, for your miracle, you need to know where your help comes from. And you know... I'm not trying to liken God to AAA, so hear me what I'm saying. But, you know, when you get hung up alongside the road and you're like, oh, shoot, you know, I need some help here. Oh, that's right. I've got a AAA membership. Well, you know, you know, she knew that her husband's been serving the Lord. Okay, there's benefits in serving the Lord. There's help. You know that you've got help when you serve the Lord. So, you know, she knew this. So she goes to Elisha and gives him her problem or tells her tells him about her problem and Elisha said to her what shall I do for you tell me what do you have in the house ah so we need something for God to bless we need something to sow and she said your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil then he said go outside here's the direction of the Lord go outside Borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. So don't just grab the first three. You know, an attitude of, I don't want to go to any more effort than I have to, would not have served her here. (laughs) You know, so he says, go get empty vessels, not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him. The implication is that she did what he said. Because the next thing, and it says, and, he, and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. So she's sitting here pouring and, you know, okay, get another one, son. So they come and whip it under there, under the stream. And all right, now another one. And so until this, all these vessels were full. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Now, this had to take faith for her to act on this. You know, she's going around to these neighbors. Hey, can I use, can I have an empty vessel? Hey, go. Well, she might be thinking, what in the world am I going to do with all these empty pots? I'm just going to have to return them? Like, like this, the neighbors might have said, hey, well, what are you doing with that? I don't know. I mean, the man of God just said, go get him. I mean, you got a major problem over here. Why are you going around borrowing all our stuff? Are you going to, what are you going to do? Try to sell our stuff? <laughs> she obeyed. <laughs> right. So I wrote down uh, six things here that if you need a financial miracle or any miracle, six ingredients. Number one, well, this wasn't on my list, but I thought of it now. And this isn't, uh, you know, all exclusive or whatever. This is just some things I saw. Number one is you need a problem. Can't have a miracle without a problem or an obstacle. All right, so the real number one is know where your help comes from. Number two, you need direction from the Lord. 
Three and four kind of go together. Three, I have seed. You've got to give God something to work with, something to bless. But faith, which is number four, is the real seed. You can give something, but if it's not in faith, if it's just going through the motions, you know, the real seed is of the heart. The real seed is an action that's been done in faith and goes along with five, which is obedience. You're being obedient to what the Lord said to do because he's the source. And then number six, you need supernatural grace, God's favor. You need his help in that situation, and that's the part you can't do. That's him. You trusting on him to bring in the, the ability to overcome the need, to remove the obstacle. He wants to help you. He really does. He doesn't want you. If you're here tonight and you are facing a dilemma, you're facing a financial pressure, any pressure, but we're talking in the financial realm right now, you know, you need to understand God wants to help you, and you need to ask him. You need to know where your help comes from. You need to go to him and trust that he would speak to you and tell you the answers and help you through that. So let's praise him and thank him. He's the provider. He's the God of miracles. Let's pray over the tithe. Father, we're so grateful to you tonight that you are a God of miracles, that you are a God of more than enough that you don't want to see us in lack, that you don't want to see us barely scraping by, but you want us blessed so we can be a blessing. So we just thank you for all of our means of income. We thank you for our jobs. And I just ask you, Lord, to increase these tithers. Bring increase to their account. Bring blessing to them. And we just we return the tithe to you as part of our worship. We recognize you as our provider and our source for everything. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And amen. amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord and not to man. A couple things to mention in the bulletin. We have the youth and young adult impact group meeting tomorrow night, uh, 6 p.m. here at the church. And we have a guest speaker, Troy Fouts, will be speaking. So look forward to that. Home groups have started up. Um, the East Earl Home Group, so that's our home group, the ROP Home Group, normally meets on Tuesday, but we are not meeting next week. So it's in the bulletin as East Earl's meeting at 7 p.m., but we're not meeting next week. Um, and also Jean English's group. So Jean English's group is not going to be meeting at all. Is that correct? So we have just four home groups. So Karen Burroughs, the ROPs, um, Troy and Kelly Burroughs, so four, four home groups. Just a reminder to, to mark your calendar for the Cup of Joe, September 22nd, 6.30 here at the church, and the ladies' breakfast, which is coming up October 16th. So we're taking donations now for the white elephant table. It can be new, it can be used gently, um, it could be uh, a gift certificate. It could be um, something of your business, something you know you want to donate from your business. It could be whatever, um, but we are taking donations for that. And mark your calendar for October 16th. Sign-up sheets are in the back. <laughs>